calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Eclipse. My name is Aethor, and with me, as always, is Volonta. Hey. Say hello. Hi. Um, Wally is, as you guys know, the DM of the Lucky Die, and we're going to keep going through every episode of the Lucky Die. We're going to talk about this and that and whatever comes to our mind. And today we're doing episode seven, Hole in the Wall. <laughs> um, in this episode is the first real team battle. Uh, along with the arrival at the, um, hmm, what would you call that location, really? Uh, so it's the first team battle where they are inside the sewers and they're making their, they're trying to find out on Demi's behalf of what the fuck is terrorizing the people that live down there. Um, because there are people who live down there. Um, and uh, they find out the thing that is terrorizing the people down there after the earthquake that came with the first god death. Um and then once they deal with that threat that came from that area, they find themselves in like the very long entrance corridor that leads to the entrance to the Temple of Falsum Temple of Falsum Yes. Right. Falsum is a bastardization of a Latin phrase. I might have mentioned this before, actually. Um, but it, the, the name of the town, Falsum, um, mm-hmm. came from the temple that is underneath um, and the temple in really bad Latin is basically the temple of false faces. Okay. 
false faces. Though. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure I get it. Uh, because he was supposed to be... <laughs> So when when they split, when Marnak was split into pieces and his consciousness put into other people, it wasn't his mm-hmm. face that he was wearing. It wasn't his face that he was seeing out of anymore. Um, so whatever uh, and wherever he would be would never be his face. It would always be a false face. So okay. hence why that was called um, Falsum for Seam. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly what the one that I called in Kino, because that also has a name, which is a really fucked up um, uh, Latin one. But I'll dig through my notes and if we ever... <laughs> <laughs> if we end up doing Kino, then I'll go check through my notes, but uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. It's a bastardization of another language that should be dead Welsh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So in this episode, we kind of open the up episode kind of just up. We just open the episode up with a team fight. Yes. Um, and the fight starts with spiders. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you choose spiders? Like, I, I, I bet you we talked about this a little bit in the end of the last episode, but I genuinely want to revisit this topic. Um, because to me, spiders and spider webs, mostly the webs, um, to me mm-hmm. denote like age. Um, if something is covered in a thick layer of dust and spiders' webs, that ten- tends to mean that it's been neglected and that nature has begun to take over, and spiders tend to be the first thing that do that. And I knew that I wanted to have a really like something to denote that age of how old the area that they're about to step into. Because um, uh, at that point, I'd already known there was going to be a long, old, ancient corridor, and that's what has been broken into. That's what the um, the earthquake has has broken. Um, so that was kind of why I wanted mm-hmm. spiders. I wanted it to be old, and also fuck spiders. Um. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm going to ask the asshole question sure. before the temple broke, like broke open. What were the spiders eating? Oh, they ate whatever was in there, and then mm-hmm. they basically froze, like they oh, hibernated. Just hibernated, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, All it's been right. a couple of thousand years, but yes. Okay, okay, we're going fantasy rules. Yeah. Things can hibernate for however long I want yeah. them to hibernate for. Yeah, pretty much. Like you have disturbed them, or rather, like the earthquake that was meant to awaken them awoke them, and then they were like, "Oh, fresh air, hmm, mm. sewer." <laughs> <laughs> mm, I sewer love people. The smell of num, num, num. in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. And it, at the opening of the battle, um, we hear this really interesting plinkety plunkety sound, which is Neil's first track, uh, battle track. Yes, first combat uh, track. I'd forgotten how good it was. Yeah, it's it's really nice, and he showed me how he how he did a lot of it uh, before. Of course, a lot of like audio editing and trickery. Mm. And if you want to hear the song by itself, you can find it on Bandcamp uh, on Neil's uh, the Lucky Dice Bandcamp, theluckydice.bandcamp.com. And there you can like listen to it. It's literally just called Track One in square brackets, <laughs> uh, and it's it's not more complicated than that. Yeah. <laughs> So this battle was a bit of um This battle was a bit of a shit show. A shit show for who? Everybody. <laughs> Everyone. It it opens with a lot of misses. Yeah. A lot of whiffs. A lot of a lot of just utterly utter failure. Just absolute failure. Um and that's kind of how most of the combats have really been. <laughs> Apart from the latter ones when everyone is actually like what I consider like hero levels, i.e. not level yeah. two or whatever it was I think they were at the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, 
it was fun. I didn't expect them to. Well, the the fight did not go at all the way I thought. Uh, I thought like, all right, I'm gonna have these two spiders. They're gonna turn up. They're gonna like start you know, chomping them. Like, and then, and then like after like you know a small bit like they'll be dead and then we'll move on um it wasn't as quite as easy to kill them as i'd intended or to hurt them but they also killed some of them way quicker than i'd intended so there was a third spider from nowhere (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was after cassie natural 20 smited the casey naturally smited one somebody oh yeah (laughs) and it instantly died and i would tell you like uh like i think i mentioned this before like old school me um when i was doing this first off because i I didn't really know the system i still kind of don't to be honest uh i just had the what they had to roll to hit it i had how much armor class it had sorry how many hit points it had and i had like a plus two attack and like rough damage um and that's all that spiders had. That's all that I never have a character sheet for them. I don't know what their special abilities were. I had none of that shit. I'm like, it will hit them. It's a low level creature. I don't need to be more involved than that. Um, yeah, yeah. They they died a little quicker after the Nat 20, and I didn't want the combat to end. So I just brought a third one up. More <laughs> that's spiders. why I was laughing so hard when we re listened to it earlier today, because I'm like, oh, I remember. That was surprise, spider, because I didn't know that was there either. <laughs> Is that the red spider? Was that one added like randomly? <laughs> yeah, the last spider that came through, the one that Lafia noticed before Ral did. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. that was uh, that was a. Oh no, this combat's rubbish. Put another spider in there. They'll never know. Woe betide me. Four years later, I'm now doing a sniffling. I sprung an extra spider on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Welcome to No Hot Bars, Goat folks. Ah. <laughs> It was a couple of like real funny like uh, sentences in the fight, like little little moments. Uh, the I'm gonna break that spider's legs, uh, like spider bones, <laughs> and I think it's it's Arch who goes. Oh yeah, spiders don't have bones. It's like <laughs> yeah, technically correct. I I wrote a note in there. Um, we're listening through about that. It is it is the first occurrence of like real world fucking with us. Um, it's like oh, we're gonna break the spider's like leg bone or whatever it is, and actually like glasses up the nose. <laughs> I don't have bones. You are correct, but no. <laughs> but these are giant spiders. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and as such, they don't follow our measly physics and logics. Uh, yeah. And the other one was, uh, I don't remember who was chasing which spider, but somebody goes after a spider and you like, kind of jokingly said like, oh, why are you guys attacking my poor spiders? They didn't do anything. <laughs> Casey's, uh, being a spider is provocations enough. Yeah, and I agree. <laughs> 100%. That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fucking sentence and a half. Yes. Um, yeah, but before before they started killing spiders, you had one of the spiders retreat. Uh, yeah. What was your thought there? Most DMs just kind of let old monsters just be suicidal maniacs. Um, because um, I think a creature that is fighting to the death will sometimes try and save itself when it realized that there is overwhelming force and i think one of them had just kicked the bucket was very about close to uh yeah at that point uh, like not all creatures fight to the death um some creatures will go oh this is a bigger threat than i am i need to leave um it's fight or flight in that case like at least one of them had to have the flight sense so I, i don't believe all animals, um, if you're if you're fighting animals in in RPGs, they should all instinctively just fight to the death if they have a reason to. Sure, but if they don't and they realize that hey, this thing is hurting me a lot and I'm not hurting it, 
yeah, it may also choose to run away. So I always have that as an option. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned this uh, before in Beyond the Eclipse, but this is actually something that um, I, I don't remember where I heard about it for the first time, but it, I, it absolutely stuck with me. And it is the uh, lack of self-preservation that a lot of MOOCs show in yeah. uh, casual D&D play. It's uh, it, it's like it doesn't bother me, but it does like once you've noticed it, it does break immersion mm-hmm. to have like like, oh, I'm going to pay you 10 gold to attack this hero. And then they're attacking the hero and the hero's kicking their ass and they're like to the death. And it's like <laughs> for 10 gold, yeah, no down, way. just give up who hired you. Like, you yeah. don't care. I, I have a similar thing also for when uh, when I'm playing, it is the why would I fight to the death? Like, my friends are here. I have to have a good reason. Like, my friends are here. That's a good enough reason for me to keep fighting to my death if it saves their life. But if all my friends are knocked out and unconscious and I'm still alive and I have the option of GTFOing and making a, a thing, I won't fight to the death unless necessary. Because it is the, hey, you got a tavern quest for 10 gold. Are you really going to go to your death for that? Like, well, it depends how desperate you are. Maybe you will. But I don't think that's necessarily true. <laughs> so if I have an no. option of escaping from a fight, I, I will give it a good shot. Unless there is a good reason, like, you know, us of vengeance, um, they're between me and something else. I'm trying to protect someone. Like, yeah, like, uh, I, I just, I guess I just have this thing about deaths in, in games, um, which is, you know, you need to treat it with a bit more respect. Apart from when you get higher levels, in which case, yeah, fuck it, because Revivify is super easy. But yeah, I think lower levels, like, try and preserve yourself. You're, you as the player are the only person who can preserve your character to higher level. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've always enjoyed that and I enjoy watching different DMs deal with it and tackle it in different ways but I always appreciate it when they put extra care into making sure that the creature and the pe- uh, people that the characters are interacting with and fighting do actually behave in a in a human manner yeah. there is nothing real about stabbing somebody he goes down and then stabbing him again there is yeah. however something really real to stabbing somebody him going down and then putting the blade to their neck and just going like you fuckers better stop you better stop or I'll end this yeah like that's yeah. real. Like that's that's yeah. much more real and much more interesting. Yeah, I I th- I think it's also much more interesting to do that. And it was important to me from the start for this to feel a bit more like death had weight in it. Um, I've mentioned like many multiple times about my theories in, in death and D and D and stuff. But I I yeah I think that's why we have so many. And I'm going to use big air quotes cowards in our world. They're trying to preserve mm-hmm. their life, but that is also natural and normal. Um, yeah. If you haven't caught up with us so far, oopsie doodle. Um, Why are you listening spoilers. to this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please don't. Um, but, you know, spoilers, like there's a reason why Donna isn't fighting the big fight. Donna's, you know, a grandma and she has kids and like she wants to live. She's not a fighter, powerful as she may be. Trempel, okay, I'm not going to lie, Trempel just is a giant worse. He does not want to get into any fights. Everything like terrifies him, so he doesn't want to. But we also have people like Honorino who will see that the odds are stacked against him and he will GTFO to fight another day. Um yeah. like that also means that I can bring them back as a, a character later on and I love everything we've done with Honorino since. So I'm super glad I didn't make him stay in the uh, I think it's the battle on five fronts. Um I'm super glad I didn't make him stay to see the conclusion of that because he would have been toast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's also like a really good point. Uh, Having your characters be more human, it does often, not always, but it does often lead to more cinematic and story-rich moments. Yeah. Um, 
having the the the, the uh, players like chase the bad guy and the get bad guy keeps running away there's eventually that vault back against the wall moment and that's mm-hmm. so fucking satisfying as a player yep. it's just like oh i got you now motherfucker i got <laughs> you you've got nowhere to run it's 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 the i've been fighting a lich that keeps bringing themselves back and we found their phylactery yeah. moment it's the this is the last time i have to kick your ass yeah um <laughs> Yeah, so there's that. But yeah, I I don't think all monsters should just fight to the death unless they have a reason to. Like, you know, you have like protective uh, instincts over their young. Sure, cool, go for it. Um, Or they're an ethereal magical being. Yes, sure, fight to the death. Uh, Or they live in a really hostile environment and losing a fight means starving to death. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there's reasons. Um, But if there's no reason for them to curl up and die, I, I won't. I, I I like taking fights away. Also, as a as a GM and a storyteller, um, I don't like fights. <laughs> They're super boring. I found this really hard to listen to, even though it was so funny. Um, I find this hard to listen to. I find any fights hard to listen to, to be honest. Um, that's not the fun part of role playing for me. So, uh, I wanted to keep it short. And sometimes, if your enemies run away, it makes it more interesting because then um, you're not doing boring fight sequences. <laughs> Boy, you must have loved Squash at the um, uh, Frozen Plains, where I'm pretty sure Squash makes decisions that skip entire combat and Where you bypass the fight with the snowflakes. Uh, yes. Because you were just like, run! I'm like, yep. yes! Yes! Exactly this! Like, don't waste your resources and go and get yourselves hurt. Um, I mean, kind of one of the side effects and, and downsides for me in a system like D&D is that injuries don't last Nope. Uh, and it's also, and, and I also don't believe I should be doing stupid shit like as a GM, cutting people's arms off or making them use the, you know, um, lose the use of like a, a sense or anything like yeah. that because that's a major change to a character. And unless they're happy to do that, you shouldn't really do that without their permission. But I also know that there are games when I am playing and I want that to be how that is. Like, I want the gym to know I'm totally fine with whatever you do here. Um, yeah. And that's a conversation you have before you start playing. Um, it was not something I wanted to do for this because this is definitely more of a hero story than <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. the grim dark world that I love playing in. Um, but yeah, this is much more hopeful story, so I didn't ever want to do that. I'm pretty sure somebody's made... Uh, um, um, okay, so there's a system in the Call of Cthulhu uh, pen and paper, which is called Grievous Injuries. And yeah. That's when you take more than half your health in a damage or single damage roll. Yeah. Uh, you mark like a little button that says Grievous Injury, and then it's up to the DM to decide what the hell just happened and to roll mm-hmm. a table and make decisions based on that. Yeah, uh, I think there's 99- like optional rules in D&D for something like that. Yeah, I'm 99% sure somebody has like uh, uh, transferred that system to D&D. So if you're looking to play a more grim, dark, realistic, down-to-earth, gritty story, <laughs> then Grievous Injuries are is the system you're probably looking yeah. for. And uh, I highly recommend them for if you're that's what you're going for. Like uh, <laughs> if 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 it's supposed to be by the 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 skin of your teeth, I think is a phrase. Yeah, that's a sk- that's a phrase. Yeah. Yeah, if it's supposed to be a by the skin of your teeth kind of story, then you definitely want to have a punishment for damage. Yeah. You want to discourage it. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to roll a little bit back. So <laughs> you guys are doing a fight in 5th edition online. Nobody is sitting anywhere close to anybody mm-hmm. else. Not at all. How do you guys do that? Let's just... 
Nice. Talk about that. Uh, see, Aether is being really nice and asking like he doesn't know. Um, so we use Roll20. Um, Roll20 is basically an online system that most of you will know from fucking Overarch. Um, but it's a place that you can store your character sheets digitally and upgrade, up, um, um, up, up level them as you go along. You also have um, a little chat thing that you have there. You can roll the dice. You can set up uh, maps and you can set up tokens that the players and the GM can move around. You can set up maps so that it's like here's the big broad map and then change the screen for the players so it becomes like a like a room encounter. But I felt from the off start, mostly because I am... So that's called like maps and minis. Um, it's where you have a map, you have a thing that you move around, and that's how you can do measuring. Four squares from here is 20 feet, and there's, you know, you know how far away from stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, however, became um, a Theatre of the Mind GM on my very first role-playing, my very, sorry, my very first GMing experience back um, back in Britain, because there were eight of us um and that is no table in the world did i ever have that would take eight people eight character sheets eight sets of dice a table uh, sorry a, a map a set of minis and all the snacks and drinks and everything goes with it it just wasn't possible so we kind of switched over to theater of the mind as a practical a uh, practical thing and i personally just actually prefer that i am also really shit at prep um i tried doing maps and minis at one point and i i just can't i've just i know my limitations on that um but also being an audio version of this story for other people to enjoy by not having maps and minis i feel that translates better to descriptions so that people who aren't um, necessarily familiar with the system can still kind of follow along with what's going on because we have to describe things better. Um, we have to be much better at that rather than, oh yeah, um, no, 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 my token's four squares away. Of course I can get that. It's like, that yeah. doesn't mean anything. Like, oh no, you're 20 feet out and there's like these rocks and trains in the way. And like that description is always better for an audio format. So it, it's kind of a, a mix of two things. One, I am a lazy GM. Two, I think it translates better to audio. So that's kind of what we end up doing. We just have Roll20. We use it to be able to use the character sheets and use it for rolling. Um, with the exception of Arch, who is now to roll, allowed to roll any stage with real dice. Um, it was decided long when we first started that we would be using Roll20, um, that everyone wanted to have their character sheets there. Also, it means we didn't lose them. Um, that everyone wanted to use the system for rolling. And originally, when we first started, I'm like, oh, just roll with dice. I don't care. Use the honor system. Um, but now it's become a thing, and I feel bad about making people roll dice. So, like, nope, nope, you choose the form of your own destruction, folks. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> so, yeah, we just have to be really good at describing stuff and listening to each other and listening to what's going up. Sometimes I will, um, on the map part of uh, Roll20, I will just draw a really shitty outline of something and have, like, rough ideas and where things are, especially when things get complicated. Um, one of the most recent fights that we did, which we can't talk about, um, I had to draw two versions of the same thing and have very specific information on where like the important things are and where specific people were when they first came into the room. So sometimes I'll use it for really brief reminders, but mostly it is just a picture of something kind of relevant to the scene and then everyone will doodle on the backgrounds. Um, I have a I have a beat shop recently and somebody put Tio on a surfing board. So <laughs> that's that's how our 20 looks. 
<laughs> I always get jealous when I see how good the other guy's yeah. art is. Mine is always like a stick figure, and <laughs> and like my 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 doodling is usually text. That's the mm-hmm. key to my doodle. It's the joke. Uh, while <laughs> while Neil and Cassie will have like genuine fucking Easy. art, and I'm sitting there like, Mithers. yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, that's that's our. So we have like two solid reasons as to how and why we use like that as a as a combat, yeah. and having it be really short as the first one, also just like a really good way for us to get into that dive. So there's a lot of listening that has to happen, especially now that we're much higher level and there are a lot more complicated options available for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in this, it is punch punch or hit with sword or mind thrust. So mm-hmm. there is kind of that's all that really had to be paid attention to and rounds were much snappier and quicker and now that we are higher level combat lasts a lot longer rounds are much longer there are more of you for example um mm-hmm. yeah yeah <sighs> it's really much up to the player to be ready with the rounds yep. but i will always always forgive the support players uh, a little <laughs> bit of leeway because they have to react to the scenario they can't just decide yep. this guy's gotta get hit this turn i'm gonna heal him no it is yeah oh three rounds happen and almost three people are dead what the fuck do i do i i'm not gonna like give everybody a bonus to the resistance to ice anymore <laughs> now i have to heal people shit's shit's gone south my friend yeah yeah, um, it's it's but, the, uh, the age-old reactionary problem, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but on the Roll20 front, uh, there are two, two things I wanted to go back to there. Uh, first one is the honor yeah. system. Um, I have an older brother and a father who are chronic cheaters. So I can't <laughs> really play with the honor system. And I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say childhood trauma. Like, I'm just going to excuse <laughs> it away. I can't do the honor system It um drives me insane because I get paranoid and that's basically just because I've been cheated on so much as a kid and I I can't, I can't do it so I'm yeah. very happy to have like but when I'm not the DM I don't care like it's your world it's your problem <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> I, I don't care if if Neil gets a natural 20 on his death saving throw that doesn't <laughs> it's it's not my problem that's your problem I, I'm, yeah I'm I'm kind of like on both sides of this like uh I don't really mind if people fudge rolls because it means that you know <sighs> like if you fudge it in your favor which is mostly what players are trying to do because they're trying to save their their people then you just need to be aware of the fact that like, hey they are clearly obviously invested in this and there is a win aspect to this and yeah go ahead sometimes it makes a really good storytelling and i i know that on some other games that i've played i have fudged in the negative because i think the negative reaction is much better um i think the consequences of my actions are more interesting than me succeeding so i am happy on either side of that and it's one of those like i'm not happy that it happens but i'm also aware that it does happen um so people rolling dice at home and fudging their results by three or four like i I don't give a shit um like whatever like we're heroes it happens sometimes but like on the other side i'm like don't just let the dice go where the dice go um stop stop it yeah stop it just just go with it (laughs) man but yeah let 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 us the other players uh help you tell this story you don't need to save yourself always yeah um Uh, you don't always need to be center stage um sometimes you you know sometimes you'll have the spotlight on you and sometimes you know your chance to shine is by helping somebody else shine um so yeah like 
I don't know. I mean, two minds about like the honor system and cheating and stuff. But for the most part, if everyone's doing the honor system, fuck it, everyone do the honor system. If everyone is being forced to roll dice in front of people, go right ahead. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like as a GM, I very rarely fudge results. Um, just sometimes it's just not needed to be a dick. <laughs> and sometimes it's needed to be a dick. But you also, as a GM, have a lot of... Um, additional like abilities that players don't for example legendary resistance um just the ability to say nah nah fuck you legendary actions lair actions which i've had fun with recently by rolling the lair action into the creature itself because i think that just makes the creature way more badass so fuck it um (laughs) yeah it's good fun though um but yeah like i don't really see the need to cheat and but i'm I'm also fine with the honor system like it happens and i'm not a big stickler for it just don't be too obvious and don't be an asshole about it like yeah. yeah I get you. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch about was the maps and minis uh, in an actual play. Mm-hmm. So I've listened to a couple of actual plays. Um, unfortunately, I have listened to a lot of like few actual plays instead of uh, much of many, uh, like a little of a many. Sorry, let me rephrase that so it makes <laughs> any kind of fucking sense. I have listened to maybe three or four actual plays and I've listened to about 100 episodes of each of those. Like, Blimey. So I, I, I binged actual plays for a little bit and then I never touched them again. I was just... Um, Is that when you came uh, to TLD? I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's very short after I joined TLD <laughs> that sorry. I genuinely stopped actually listening to actual plays. No, uh, it's just my interest in uh, audio fiction changed that mm. I listen to different kind of stuff now. Uh, I listen to a lot more talk radio. I enjoy listening to people banter rather than playing a story. Yeah. But that's just personal thing. Uh, I was going to mention the maps and minis things. Uh, I've listened to podcasts where they have map map and minis and they have completely and utterly failed to communicate what they are looking at and you can always hear there's one player usually the dm not always Mm -hmm. who is trying to make sure that the audience knows what the hell is going on because you will hear somebody go i'm gonna i'm gonna punch this guy okay what what wait are you close (laughs) enough yeah i'll just move here no, no, okay. Steve, you can't move diagonally unless they're your companion. Like, you can't go diagonally through another creature. Yeah. 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 So uh, I've, li- I've heard that. And uh, that podcast, which started out really fucking rough, they moved on. And I was very proud of them uh, around like the second or third story they were doing. Mm. They had all learned to describe the map, not the minis, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So... They would go, all right, my character, uh, Lorthaniel, is going to attack the green orc by charging through the underbrush. Uh, and they made sure to like describe the actions more than saying, I'm moving four squares towards them. P.S. They, they were playing fourth edition. I don't yeah. know why they were no. playing fourth edition, but that is a very combat heavy, combat friendly mm-hmm. uh, system. So I, I just wanted to say like actual players, if you have maps and minis, don't stop and go for the theater of mind. If you enjoy the maps and minis, keep going. Just you need to make your players aware that they're playing for an audience and they need yeah. to communicate that uh, if you don't have a visual element that is yeah uh, I, I think it's really helped us describe much better how things are going yes. and also to be way more fluid with things um, just like how you describe stuff what happens um, and also really keeps in mind that you have an audience because yeah we are playing for ourselves but we are also playing for other people to find the story interesting so sometimes things will get changed uh, later on not many not often um, but we are for 
people to hear. Um, and I'm really glad we went down that. Also, I think if I'd had to do a map for every single potential encounter, I would have lost my mind and probably never have gotten this far because I, I, I've tried it. I just can't. I, it takes far too long for me, and I'd rather spend time on the things that really matter to me, which is the story. So, yeah. I've I've heard I've heard people do maps and minis well, but more often I've not. And that's the unfortunate thing. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Um, I've personally never experienced maps and minis in a fantastic uh, lies. Uh, when we were playing with Dagur on roll twenty. Uh, oh holy shit! Yeah, so yeah. I yeah I, I will sidetrack that um for you on, on your behalf. Um, Dyer made the prison when he ran the soap opera game, the the mm-hmm. hiatus game, alternative beginnings. He went to Rod Twenty. He made this map. He put fog of war in. He blacked over different places so we couldn't see what was behind it. He gave us minis to play with, and it was awesome. Yes. <laughs> I was like, holy shit! Did you put? way more effort into this than I did. I had to spend so much effort just to rewrite my notes for them to be legible for somebody else to use. And I had to describe a lot more things because I was relying a lot on improv. Like, yeah, like if there'll be a medic, ah, I'll describe it if it comes up. We never did. Um, but I had to write all that stuff out for Dara and he just did a great job of doing maps and minis and it was really good. Yeah, yeah. So it's absolutely <laughs> doable. Uh, I, I, I just want to communicate that to yeah. everybody listening. Like, Keep you do you boo. It's it's fantastic, yeah. and I love all of you. <laughs> yeah, and Dino, if you ever get around to listening to this episode, you're the man. <laughs> uh, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And I believe I, I don't believe it. He'll never tweet at me that he listened to this episode. He's not a <laughs> no, he would just send us a message. <laughs> you fucker. Um, all right. Um, I actually have one. I have one more question about the the um, the fight. Yeah, sure. At the opening of the fight, you say, oh boy, I get to use my board. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Um, so back into olden days, um, I was uh, recording from my garage. Um, mm-hmm. I had a garage that was set up to be a recording studio um, and a streaming studio. I had a whiteboard that I had right next to my table. And on that whiteboard were the character names. There were their approximate hit points, their ACs. It also had my creatures on there and the initiative order. And my creatures were creature one, two, three, four, whatever it was, whatever. Gave them rough names. They had their AC numbers on there, their attack numbers, anything special about it. I also back then had what everyone's languages were so I wouldn't have to say does someone understand this language and you hear that at the end of the episode I don't have to ask what languages Lafayette knows I just look at the board and say he can't read it because I know that he can't Um, I however since have stopped doing that whiteboard became when I changed the layout in the garage I stopped using that whiteboard so I wouldn't have so many quick notes available it also had Mm -hmm. things like voice lines on there for like um like Caden and Lindren and uh, Demi and such like so there were just odd bits and notes on there um that I would kind of sometimes write as I go and use as a quick reference I don't use that anymore um also with the languages thing I don't y'all have learned so many new ass languages, Rao can speak every language with focus, somebody can read every language. Someone's a god, so I'm like, do not fuck it. I, I'm not writing this shit down anymore. Um, and I haven't used the board in probably three or more years now. Um, yeah, like, okay. It got to the point where there were so many notes on there and I wasn't really looking at it that often other than for combat and we didn't do combat for the longest time, thank God. Um, I just I just ended up stopped using it. Um, and then 
I changed the form, uh, changed the room around, and it wasn't in a good place for me. And then I moved countries. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that didn't help. No, yeah. So the board was really useful when I started. Um, it would have made things a lot more complicated because I also only had one screen at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm now thankfully on three screens. Yay! Um, so I no longer have to print my notes out and like write a bunch of stuff on the fly. So uh, things have become easier with additional screens. Um, mm. But the whiteboard was invaluable when I first started. Yeah, I've actually seen you print out notes a bunch. Uh, you print out little monster sheets and stuff yes. that you have on the table. Yeah, so um, I have since uh, the old days where I just wrote down really basic stat block, sometimes on the fly, quite often on the fly. Um, I print character sheets out and I will write notes on there, like adding this ability, taking this one. This is what I need for them, what they have to roll to hit because I don't ever remember which way round it is with AC. I don't know if you have to meet it or beat it. So I just write down the Mm -hmm. number that I need the players to roll as a minimum. And then I know I've done that because that makes sense for me and that makes my life easier. Um, So I just go in there and just like make massive annotations on it. I still on occasion will just print out um, like a basic stat block and then just fill it in with random shit. Dacian has an entire like two A4 pages of shit uh, that he has available to him, plus all the spells, which I often print out as well. So I can reference them a little quicker or I have them on my phone. Um, So yeah, like I still use some printouts, but only when I know that we're definitely fighting big creatures or if I'm super lazy and I just want some like... Mook level characters around. I'll just print like your basic archer and like to have it on my desk. Like, fuck it, yeah. I can't be bothered with this anymore. I've not been aware of any paper rustling while we're playing. Um, do you keep them spread out? How do yep. you? Uh, my desk is a mess when I'm playing. Um, so uh, I'll have like two or three drinks on my... Let me let me paint you a word picture of what my desk, my shithole looks like. Um, <laughs> Theatre of the mind. <laughs> Theatre of the mind. So in front of me and to my right, I have padding up on the wall. Um, and to my left, I have like this really thick grey um, like blanket that we hang up. And behind me, I've got this like really thick blanket, which we also hang. Um, I also have a kind of like rug on the floor. Um, in front of me, I have three desks, one straight in front of me, one to the left and to the right. My microphone is on the right but sits in front of my face. So there's a long boom arm. Um, on my left-hand side, there is on a stand my phone, which is rarely on silent and I keep getting kicked about it and they are right. And I use that for my spells on occasion um, or to see if my family are ringing. Um, I also usually have one or two, sometimes three different types of drinks. So I'll have water, coffee, and usually some sort of fizzy drink, which is a big no-no, but I do because I like having... Apparently it's a thing for bisexuals. You just have more than one type of drink at all time. I'm like, yes, this is my life. I've never been more caught up by me in my life. Um, in front of me, I will have my dice box and I will have like character sheets um, and they'll all be sitting behind my keyboard and my mouse. Um, I also just have all my interfaces on the right-hand side and all the cables linked to that. Um, I will have pens and pencils and I have like charging stations and in a panic, I will turn behind me, open up the curtain thing and then like try and find more paper. Um, my desk is a mess um i try not to move my arms over my desk too much um but yeah i have three screens um the one in front of me is usually the players um to the left i will usually have my notes and to the right i usually have roll 20 because um uh roll 20 on my right hand side is mostly covered up by the microphone and i don't see that as much anyway (laughs) um i have my notes on the left because then i am actually forced to look at them rather than glance at them because i can't really see very much at my left hand eye and i find that having them over on the left means i actually have to read them um i don't often read them once we started playing but if there's really important shit i'll look at them okay there you go uh (laughs) 
when we're playing, I have to play from a single monitor, uh, and <laughs> I have managed to get my character sheet, uh, the roll twenty rollout, yep, and um, the, uh, uh, just a tiny little piece of the recording program because I am a paranoid person and I keep thinking mm-hmm. that my recording turns off, so I have to have it on screen so I don't panic. So do you not see us? Uh, yes, then I have like a tiny little long bar that has okay. everybody's camera in, but it's been squished down real hard. Because <laughs> like I find like uh, I find I find this medium really difficult to be honest. I find it very mm-hmm. difficult to run a game and not be able to gauge people's reactions in kind of the same real time. Like I, oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. when I'm at a table, I like being able to put my hands on the table and lean around and pretend to be a bear and like stare people in the eyes when I'm talking to them because I can see the reactions on their face. I can't look Atho in the eye right now because I have to look at the camera to be looking at him, but I can't look him in the eye because it's also on a delay and he's not looking at the... Yeah, and that's just super weird. So I yeah. find that really weird. And the next best is having the camera on so I can see facial expressions to see whether people are paying attention, whether like... Because that also really helps if you know that you're being watched to pay attention. <laughs> Because it's really easy when you have screens and cameras and like phones and stuff to not pay attention. Um, So I also just like seeing people engage in their reaction because it's just, it's a really helpful tool if I can't look someone in the eyes to at least see what's going on on their face. Um, And to be fair, it's often not a lot. (laughs) It's often not a lot. Um, And I know that when I'm emoting really hard, I tend to do what they do and I look down and I don't look up at the camera anyway, but that's not the point. (laughs) I would love to know the 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 brain reason for this because I think most of us do this when we're when we're in like a really happy moment we just look down at the the microphone we maybe close our eyes and we're just yeah. like we're trying not to look at all the electrical <laughs> monitors around us and and the and the magical lens that is capturing our picture and sending it across the world we're just like no I, I'm a weirdo halfling with a drug problem I'm gonna like I'm gonna have to like real focus right now i cannot look at all these monitors yeah i think i remember recently having to yell at you in character and i i couldn't look at you because i was so angry and to be fair if i was so angry i would be looking at you anyway so i can kind of get it but it was even more weird to have to force my head up to not be in that moment um but i really should have because you should have seen how angry i was as as that character wasn't like you know i'm not actually angry though no memory of looking at the cameras in that in that scene. I have uh, no memory. <laughs> oh my god, that was dumb. So dumb. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. So um, yes, we roll. Use roll twenty, and you have you used to have a little blackboard that you mm-hmm. don't use anymore. Uh, I was thinking earlier that uh, I can totally see somebody doing a live stream and having a blackboard that is like movable. It's like a on of a canvas kind of thing. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand, and you, yeah. Yeah, and they can kind of pick it up, write on it, and then they block it back down, and they have a special camera just looking at it, and that would just be like a little display window. Yeah. I, I think that would allow, like, maybe, like, kind of nice, fluid uh, vision of what the DM is thinking and doing yeah. without having to do it on PC, which is always clickety-clackety, and you can't write or, like, take yeah. notes on on uh, on notepads is always weird. Like, it yeah. doesn't always work. Like I, I tried, um, I tried writing notes on like uh, notebooks and in paper and stuff. I just invariably I suck at it. I suck at it as a player. I suck at it as a GM. Um, so I tend to write my notes at the end of the evening, like in the last few minutes. So the fact that I'm now on a PC and I have multiple screens, it makes it a lot easier to take those notes on the fly. Um, but yeah. even then, I still don't. Um, <laughs> I'm still really bad at it, folks. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, all right. Back to the story. Back to the they, story. I'm sorry. They, they no, no. It was a fun side track. Yes. We, we needed something to fill out this episode because there's not a lot left of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of pining over a weird trap that I genuinely <sighs> didn't understand. Oh yeah. So um, there's like a really long corridor that goes from the sewer where the spiders were living all the way to the end where the actual like entrance, the stone door entrance to Thousand Fasimas. Mm-hmm. And it's so covered in dust that nobody can see what is on the floor. And um, what is on the floor are bands of colours and each of the bands of the colours, if you step into them, will shoot you with either the appropriate um, element or they'll shoot you with an arrow, be the poison or fire or, you know, um, electricity or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So by, I made them specifically too big to jump over. <laughs> Because I didn't want them to just jump over them. Because <laughs> that would be a rubbish trap. And I had them repeating like every so often along the thing. So that was basically what it was. But they didn't know what they were stepping on because of all the dust on the floor. Um, and then Lafian used a very uh, cool trick to get away all the dust without like hurting them. And I was like, yes, that's really good and really proud. And then they were like, how do we get across these? And that comes the infamous, like, do we toss the dwarf joke? <laughs> like, Yes! <laughs> this is what i wanted in life um so yeah that was kind of what the traps were and then trying to figure out what it was based on the very small amount of information that they have um i gave them hints and put them on the wall in the form of murals because i'm like oh shit they don't want this is um so yeah yeah, that was kind of what that trap was and what the rest of this episode was kind of about And and you've said before that there is no right way to tackle your traps you're just sitting there like looking for the players to find fun interesting ways and you'll enable them yeah, pretty much. Like sometimes uh, when I design traps, there are there's like one very specific thing to do. Um, like mm-hmm. I want the point of this trap to be to consider pride or to consider um, wealth or to consider like, you know, sacrifice. Um, in which case there will be kind of only one answer, but I will always be flexible on how they get there. Um, like if they come up with a genuinely amazing idea, which is way better than mine. Sure. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Sure, go ahead. Um, because that's collaborative storytelling um but you know sometimes there is only one answer and you've got to suck it up and get on with it but for the most part especially when i first started out it was like how do i make this a trap how, how what can i do with this group of people being they don't have magic um which is a great thing as a gm there's none of this magical bullshitting around getting around your traps or shit nope but also they don't have magic at their disposal to get around your shit so you have to be kind of a little careful um so it's balancing that up and out and that was uh, there were some teething problems when we first started um, mostly on my Always side so. yeah mostly on my side trying to figure out what the fuck we're doing uh, but yeah mm. that's my general rule for most traps is like I will have an idea or I'll have no ideas and I'm fine with both um, and if people come up with a way cooler idea sweet um uh, you were talking about like having magicians in your party and like the fact that you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's it's something that somebody like mentioned once to me. It was um, uh, a DM made an entire tower, uh, like a wizard tower, and the players were supposed to battle their way through the wizard tower. And of course, they just bought catapults and blah blah blah, and they just <laughs> bombarded the thing until they broke a hole in it, and then they levitated into like the twentieth floor. And the player DM's just like. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 <laughs> I uh, and um, the notes said like after that I understood why they call it dungeons and dragons, not towers and dragons. And uh, like it, it's because <laughs> yeah. putting it underground really gets rid of a lot of the shenanigans. Yeah. 
there's something to be said about putting things underground because you are more like uh, I don't believe in putting up too many railroads. There are some games that need a guide. Like that's that's a fine. There's a guide. Go along this guide and you'll find it. Um, uh, railroads, however, very different. Like this is your singular path. This is the only thing you could do. I will not have you talking to the barsmith. Uh, sorry, the barmaid, and she will not be giving you any stories or rumors or anything. There is one path, and if you don't do it, we're not playing. Um, that's that's shitty jamming, but also needed in some games. Uh, sometimes you need that guide for your players. Otherwise, there's no story. Um, I'm very happy that y'all have managed to pick up at least most of my hints, um, or I've crafted it in such a way that you have no choice. And I'm okay with that too. But I'm gonna like give major props out to Travis here because I saw his railroads, I saw his fucking railroads, and I approved of how he implemented them. <laughs> it was like you are forcing us along this path, and we have no option. I see what you did there. I see how you're doing this, and well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> It's the uh, what you're talking about there is darkest uh, dark, dark 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 dice, dark yeah. Because dice. it's set underground, mm-hmm. there is a forest, and if you step off the path, you're fucked. Um, yeah. That's a fantastic railroad, yeah. <laughs> especially in that kind of a game. It very much suits that kind of a game. Um, and putting things underground, yep, you have much more control of the environment than you do above ground. I'm not gonna lie, it's it's shit above ground. <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to make a railroady story, you have to mine the railroads. You can't just expect the players to be a train and choo-choo around your railroads. You have to mine the path. This is and, not Minecraft. <laughs> and and to that end, you have to mine the carrot and the stick. You have to think about how you're motivating your players. Yeah. And like you said, you can't just put a barmaid and the only way pa- path forward is to talk to the ba- barmaid, seduce the barmaid, and through uh, and by attacking the stick to the duck and giving it the peanut butter, you can trick the barmaid <laughs> into telling you the secret passcode to the dungeon. It's like, no, you can't go Sierra logic here. You have no. to mind the players and play along with them. And yeah. in that way, I think Travis absolutely nailed it. He gave us a really good uh, focus in the beginning. There mm-hmm. are children missing and you're saving them, period. And yep. it's like, yeah, yeah. I, like, this was supposed to be a one shot. It was supposed to be like eight <laughs> hours max. It turns this was out supposed to, like... to be a very guided story through a module. Um, yeah. Whereas but, obviously yeah. for for us, we have a little bit more leeway of like, what are we doing? I don't like, especially when we first started playing, I didn't mm-hmm. know where we were going the next session when I started that session, unless I'd like specifically planned. Like, hey, you guys, you're hanging out now. You have three more items to go get. What? one do you want to do first yeah <laughs> like i i don't i don't know the order that you want to do these things um i've given you a guide i don't know if you want to go seek your personal vengeance mission now or if you want to do like your uh, interactions with your deities or your like spectral friends now whether you want to pursue like personal interests like i i don't i don't know maybe you'll develop a new interest like you'll start Whittling wood for stuff. Looking at you, Neil. Uh, like I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys want to go off the track and do random shit. Like sometimes I'll be able to go. Yep, I've got the next two sessions of recording all sewn up, all prepared, good to go. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, I have a session tomorrow evening, and um, I don't know what they want to do. No. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I think um, what you do a little bit later in the story where you introduce the seven artifacts and that they have to find them, I think that's a relatively clever idea. I wish you would have given them more freedom to uh, uh, chase the item they wanted to chase. But yeah. uh, I'm, I, I haven't listened to it in a really long time, so I don't know how <laughs> they are. It could absolutely be that they're just like, 
Oh, yeah. So we, which item do we go for? And we'll, we'll get into it when we get to it. Get into yeah, it. But I think I, that I'm, I'm going to jump to it a little bit now. Actually, um, oh. the intention was after we'd dealt with squash because I knew you, you were coming in. Like I invited you in. You were available. We need to do it before you did your masters. Before you went off to travel the world. Like we had to do that. And I had to get you in early. So I was like, great. Okay, so that means that this is tied to this artifact. So I need you guys to go do this now so we can bring the guest in. And then after that, we had Dark Dice set up, but we were really shit at our recording schedule. And it meant that, oh, crap, I have to get you guys going. I have to have this happen here and this happen here because the crossover in our story can't happen until he's learned about Ninverno and for him to do that he has to go to this place and learn about this thing oh shit so that kind of also then dictated what had to happen then (laughs) so it was kind of like oh shit and then after that point there were really very few options to explore because I I personally I think I mentioned this before I'd always wanted Rouse to be the last thing because that's the big heartbreak moment that's that's the Mm. thing if it happened earlier then say La Vie but my intention was for that to be the last or be near the last um so yeah at that point it was like kind of oh oops we're kind of on a on a set path and what we gotta do here guys <laughs> uh yeah uh, but i real I life think... fucking up with us <laughs> yes but i i think the premise of your story is really good and i hope that other people are out there taking notes because i think the idea of starting a story with like okay here's like 10 sessions of like set stuff and then you're open. Like, like here's the seven artifacts you have to look for. We have the humans in the south. We have the elf and the dwarves in the so- uh, north. Uh, you have like this like contested area in the middle. <laughs> Just you need to now go and explore and find the artifacts. Like they're powerful. People are gonna want them. They're gonna be somewhere. Like, like. Uh, just you just need to go out you just need to go out and find them you just need to go look for them um for it's me actually... i was really cognizant of the fact that unlike home games where i could let people wallow in trying to find a thing for 30 episodes like i don't know where's this missing chalice that has never been seen by a person for five thousand years um i can't let players do that i can't let them wallow for 30 sessions trying to find a thing because that's really boring audio <laughs> I'm cognizant of the fact that we have an audience who are listening to us, so I kind of also need to keep the story going. We can't, unlike home games, grind a halt and spend 30 episodes in a random pub getting to know everybody who lives there, just trying to find the one person who has that information. Like, I, I can't do that. Also, I find that boring. Um, so I have to also listen to my own bullshit meter um, of boredom because I'm also a player at this table. <laughs> I also have to have fun here. Um, and I, I can't do that, especially not with an audience listening. So, no. No, um, I, I was going to say that um, I had an idea for a story once a long time ago where um, at the very start of the game, like at the end of the first session, the players are going to find a black pearl. And whichever player picks it up gets a random ability point. <laughs> Just Roll dice, 1d6, that ability point goes up and nobody who else who touches the pearl gets anything out of that. And that was supposed to be the catalyst for them going, where the fuck did this come from? We want more of these, <laughs> they are powerful. And then I was going to make all of them do de- random def- random different things. Yeah. And I, I was also going to attach a little story, like whichever ability point they were going to get, they were going to get like somebody's like story, history. 
And that was all gonna tie back to the big bad evil guy. He was doing something with the black pearls. He was manufacturing them or <laughs> or searching them or something. I don't remember exactly what I had in mind. And I, it, my my genuine idea for this game was literally just like, what are you fuckers doing? Oh, you you want more powerful artifacts? Then let's go look for powerful artifacts. Are you gonna go north, south, west, or east? Yeah, your choice. Yeah, I, I'm. I um. I very much feel like that's the spaghetti against the wall approach for GMing. Um, and it's the what do you want to do? How do you want to run this? I know as a GM, I am shit at running that kind of sandbox world. I need a bigger story. Mm-hmm. I need to control a fair amount of the elements for it to feel like it's cohesive. There are some very good spaghetti against the wall, and you can hear my spaghetti against the wall. It's Kino. That that's yep. Kino. That's Kino. That, that's more like how I run a home game. That's way more like I don't know what the fuck are you guys gonna do? You're gonna do Thank what now? Um, Thank you for enabling is, me. <laughs> yes, that is very much that. That is it's a very different feel um, because I decided it, I had to make it very different. Otherwise, it's more of the same, and I think that's kind of boring. Um, yeah. So yeah. There is there is folks who can do that open sandboxing really well, but I am also aware that we're telling a story and we can't be quite as open box. I mean, we can. People, there is always an audience for it. There's always a market for it, but I personally don't feel that's my best story. So, mm. uh, yes. And then in the in the back to the story, um, they approach the um, falsum falsum facium. Yes, and we have a. Uh, um, uh, we have music cue, and then we have a vision. We do. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting here 180 episodes later, and I'm like, <laughs> well, duh, I understand this. <laughs> but boy, howdy. Like, two years ago when I listened to this, three years ago when I listened to this. Four years I, ago when I recorded this. Whoosh, <laughs> over my head. Whoosh. Just... I had no idea, and I had very few memories of this very moment, this very vision. Mm-hmm. But I think this vision, well, it probably like I don't know if it gets referenced later in the episode uh, in this this show. Uh, if any of the players pick it up, I, I don't know. Is, I don't know. But this is very um, fun for re-listens. Like this is a good little drop of like, yeah, like we the re-listeners are like, <laughs> yeah, okay. So the vision, just to tell the, the audience real quick, if they haven't listened to the episode in a while, is um, uh, Raul's vision is that he's in complete darkness and there's a bright light and the bright light splits into seven... He's just the other way around. So Zoltana's is... Complete um, darkness with a bright yeah, light. Yeah, she's standing okay. in complete darkness. She sees a bright light. This bright light is fractured into seven pieces and it's scattered. Um, Raul yeah. is standing in brilliant white area and there is a dark orb and that is split into seven pieces and split, split across the areas. Yeah, and we now know that that is a uh, light burner and what was Monarch's title? Uh, Shade Slayer. Shade Slayer. So yeah, um, he, his his main title is Shade Slayer, but each language, um, each of the artifacts has a different language associated with them, um, and they have a different translation of his name because not all words can be translated quite so easily into other, la- other languages that don't necessarily have a single, like a direct word for word translation. So his main title being Shadeslayer, which is what it would be in um, in his gnomish, um, but for the other like folks, it could be Shaya, um, um, sorry, a slayer made of shade, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like there is, there is, 
they each have different things written on them for a reason. Um, <laughs> and that's one of them. But yeah, so I decided that um, the the first two people to get there would see the vision. Um, and mm-hmm. then we had like two sixes and like, fuck it, fine. On the fly, fuck it. Everyone can see it. Just give it a shot. Um, and then Arch saved. Um, so yeah. anyone who came from Discora would see um, Marnak, Shade Slayer, being split into pieces. Anyone who came from afar, um, I at that time, they only thought either the Olcath Isles or perhaps Gita or maybe um, Kino. Dragonborn weren't even a thing. They would see the opposite. They would see Lightburner being split into mm. pieces. Yeah. And then you uh, spell out the prophecy uh, when the world's in danger, bring the seven pieces together and bring back, I think it was the hero or the, the, yep. the Lightburner. I don't remember if you yeah, dropped the, the name. Yeah, like the, light, the lights in the shadow. Like they could be, yeah. or whatever the phrasing I think it is, um, yeah. like whatever heroes, because heroes can be good people. And as we can currently see through our current group, they can also be shitty people. Um, they can also be assholes. They can also be accidentally involved in this. Um, I just wanted people that were heroes that were pulled apart so that they could be used for future battles. Uh, people who yeah. are strong and important back in the day might still have use in the future. Um, and that's what happened to Monarch and Kells. So I wanted them to see that and have the seeds of that being laid down. So the reason they were split into seven is because, as we now know, there are six artifacts plus the spirit. Um, And I wanted to start sowing those seeds early so it wouldn't be so much of a shock or a surprise, but I guess for some people, if they completely forgotten this bit, I guess it kind (laughs) of (laughs) was. But I I don't know. I I like leaving early Easter eggs and I still do it. I still drop shit in that is for future stuff. Um, You guys just may or may not realize it. I always have background shit going on, um, which you may or may not realize, so... Yeah, you're you're really good at that, and I appreciate that as a, as a, like as a listener. And um, <laughs> one of my friends who recently picked up TLD because he's going back to school and he needs something in the background while he's like uh, commuting and when he's like just waiting around, and he was just like, you know, Visa, really good DM. <laughs> I was just like, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you ha- you have a way of telling the story and. It really shines through in the episodes. Um, yeah. But yeah, and that's the end of the episode. So um, unless you have any points that let I me, skipped over. Let me have a look because I did write some notes. Um, yeah, and I noticed you almost not looking at your notes at yeah, all during this entire time. because we were talking like... absolute bollocks. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So the reason that the spiders run uh, ran at the players with their arms in the air because I think it's the wolf spider that lives in Australia that literally oh. runs at like ridiculous kilometers per hour with its first two like legs up yeah, in the yeah. air screaming at you. I wanted that uh, because I find that terrifying. <laughs> um, As any normal human being would. Yep. Um, we were playing a game which Arch was running on the Bloodthirsty Puppets YouTube. Stupid o'clock at night for me when I was still able to do nights. Um, called World of Kiosos. You can still see it. Um, it's still up there somewhere. Uh, I was playing a monk, so I knew a lot of monk things. Uh, so I could ha- help Neil up to the point where he became Death Touch Monk. Um, yep. There's that. Uh, fuck spiders. I will always bend story mechanics for spiders. Fuck them. Um, Just so you can have more spiders killed on your show. Yes, fuck that. Um, I mentioned that they killed the spiders too quickly and too easily, and yet they didn't mm-hmm. do enough damage, and yet they couldn't hit it. So I brought another one in. I wrote that down. 
<laughs> I love that this is the beginning of the um what happened to Sultana's accent accents. Uh tears smote it from her. <laughs> I I just I don't know, I find that really funny. Um this is also the beginning of Sultana being Lord of Doors or being the first person into a place. Um so yeah. I have a note. <laughs> In episode nine, that the Lord of Doors is the first, like, I think yep. that's the first time it gets said. Yep. <laughs> uh, my, my notes for episode eight is I haven't been taking notes, so I need to read this again. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So, so Tonner is the first person through the crack in the wall. Um, yeah. And this this is beginning of like the someone has to go first. Um, yeah, Sultana's gonna do it. It's really hard for me as a player to stay at the back and not do something. So I'm only nothing but props to Arch for staying with Laffians. No, no, I'm pompous, um, protected. I have to stay at the back. I'm squishy. Respect yeah. for that. I can't do it. Good on you. Um, uh, force force movement um, provoking reactions. I know that that's not a thing. Fuck it. The spiders. I break the rules. Um, Fuck spiders. Break rules. Uh, yes. Um, I don't know why I, in the spare of the moment I decided that the hallway was made by dwarves. I just wanted to indicate that it was person made. Um, that wasn't made with magic. I have a note about that, but I'm <laughs> not going to get into that now. Uh, the vision descriptions were done on the fly. Really? Yep. Uh, I wrote down that I wanted when they arrived there to have a vision of Marnik and Kells, um, and that's all I wrote down. And when I checked my notes, I was pretty sure that that was like an improv-based thing. I was right. Jesus. Um, I chose Celestial and Abyssal because they were the language they didn't speak. <laughs> and <laughs> and also, it made sense once I started thinking about it as to why. Like I was like, oh shit, I'm, I don't want them to know exactly what's written on here yet. Uh, they don't know Celestial. Oh, if they don't know Celestial, clearly the gods had done this. So that makes sense. And Abyssal is the opposite of that. So that works. Everything done in pairs. So that was my response for that. Um and also, Hole in the Wall. I don't know who or why that name uh, was the name of this episode. Um, but uh, Hole in the Wall is a British expression for a cash machine. So, there you go. Okay. Well, I'm <laughs> assuming then it's your fault, because I don't think Neil was thinking of any kind of glory in this case. So. I don't, I don't, gross. Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think it was probably me. At this point, Like a lot of the, especially the pun or music-related titles were almost always Neil. Um, anything other that's an in-joke is probably me. And also, when we run out of ideas, that was usually Neil at that point. Um, I just give him a list of, when I do QC, quality control, I'll give him a list of potential episode names. But quite often he'll just pick the first one the funniest one or he'll use his own so <laughs> all right that's it i think that's all my notes for this episode well those were good notes I'm, I'm sorry i should have given you more chance to bring up your own notes no it's fine they, they weren't big points um yeah this this is a really hard beyond the eclipse episode because it was more than half combat <laughs> there's only so much i can say about combat <laughs> oh boy, can you not wait for like, I I don't remember the episode name, but we spent like three episodes in a row in a single fucking fight. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's when no, we're I on the that... boat. It's it's oh, basically a fight, yeah. fight after fight after fight. Yeah. yeah. Never get on a boat. The don't get on a boat. saying it goes, it, it's true. Yep. Never get on a boat. Don't get on a boat. Don't get in a spaceship. Nope. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm ready to close up. Do you yeah. have anything you want to bring up? Uh, I don't think so, other than um, 
I really liked the way that the three of them were interacting in this episode Ooh, during the yeah. fight after the fight. Rao's little comments of like, if you two are done looking for dead spiders, like odd little comments backwards and forwards. Tana's like, well, fuck you guys. I'm going in. Attitude. I just, I love all of it. It was so good. Um, and along yeah. with Rao's insistence that Lafian wasn't doing anything because <laughs> Lafian was standing at the back and doing the, I'm going to mind thrust. I'm gonna mind first. Uh, yeah, like that. Just that little that little rib. I just thought was really funny. So yeah, yeah. I'm just super proud of them in this. Their character interactions at this point are still very thorny, and it's very entertaining to listen to, yes. knowing what they become. Yes, uh, exactly. Knowing how close all of them become, um, and the addition of Squash later on, like it's such a big change. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. really proud of. Them. Like they still have rocky moments coming up for them, and oh, yeah. then they have like their potential fight, which would split the three of them up. It doesn't, mm-hmm. so I didn't get to use a cool mechanic. Um, fuck, um, but I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they sorted it out because they're good and professional role players, and I love you guys. And on that note, I am going to uh, take us out. Thank you so much for listening to episode seven of Beyond the Eclipse. This was for Hole in the Wall uh, of the Lucky Die. If you have any questions or ideas for uh, future episodes, eight, nine, or ten, go ahead, send send a message on Twitter, Discord, wherever you can find us. Uh, I'll write them down and bring them up during our conversation. Uh, Do note, we record these probably one or two months in advance, so you might want (laughs) to go further further future than like just the next episode. (laughs) But next episode is also just fine. Maybe we will record it the day before it's released. Who knows? Our schedules are insane right now. Yes. We live um, together and we only just found time to do this episode. It's, it's <laughs> ludicrous. And, and my computer completely and utterly crashed when we were about to record. <laughs> that's, that's far further beyond the veil than anybody <laughs> Further beyond uh, the eclipse anyone needed to see. <laughs> uh, if you enjoy our stupid silly stuff... Uh, Please listen to The Lucky Die if you're somehow listening to this without listening to The Lucky Die. Um, And like all the good stuff. Follow us on Twitter. We're on Discord. Like just join us. We're silly people and we're having fun uh, along the way. Check the website. There's a bunch of stuff on the website. A bunch of bonus content and art and nice things. And if you enjoy this extra much, uh, the Beyond the Eclipse episodes are being released as a Patreon goal. We're releasing two sets of them every like a couple of uh, $50, I think, or something. Uh, nope, we're doing it by followers now. So every twenty oh, right. followers, we'll do twi- uh, we'll do two new episodes. So currently, we have uh, eight, nine, and ten left to record, and then mm-hmm. we will be up to date with followers. But going at the incredible rate that the patrons have been supporting us, I wouldn't be surprised if we have to do eleven and twelve fairly soon too. Fantastic people, I love this problem. This is my favorite <laughs> problem. All right. On that note, I want to thank everybody. Uh, hope you have a great week. Uh, if this is being released on a work uh, on a Monday, have a fantastic work week. I hope everything goes your way, and that the future weekend has something fun in store for you. Thanks hanging thank you so, out. Thank you bye, so much folks. for listening. Bye bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.